0: And now, your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley.
2: Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to be covering two different topics that merge into each other, but they are very, very, very important. And I would also say, probably high-ended type conversations. Not to mean that someone that's just getting started won't learn something from it. In fact, there's a lot to learn from it. It's just that it's so much to learn uh, that it might be a little overwhelming. So let's discuss today two things. Number one, how do you make sure you're buying a good business? How can you make sure that the purchase is always a good purchase? And number two, how does the marketplace play into that, the ups and downs of the pricing and the interest rates and so on and so forth? How does that affect that? Now, we'll do the first part here in the, the beginning of the show. And I want to take you back to something Warren Buffett says and something that i said. I've said this for 32 years now. I can make money in up markets and I can make money in down markets. I've also said that I buy into up markets and I buy into down markets. I'm not afraid of either. Now, for you to understand that, you have to understand the wisdom that Warren Buffett came up with 50 years ago or more, maybe 60. Uh, but Warren Buffett has a theory. He's got a bunch of theories, but most of them are pretty basic, and most of them are absolutely right on. And the one I'm going to share with you today is, is that when you think you're buying an investment you're really buying a business and for a lot of people, the reason they don't do well in real estate is because they pick it up as if it's uh, like gambling. It's speculative. Can I buy low and sell high? That's their basic theory uh, on investing. We have to understand that when you're sitting there with a, um, with a business and you think you're buying an investment, you're really buying the business. So to make sure that you always buy the right investment, you have to first make sure that you always buy the best business. So Warren Buffett breaks that down into really two categories. Businesses that you can understand. And he says, I won't get into a business I don't totally understand. If you can't explain to me uh, in a way that I will understand the basics behind this business, then I'm not going to get into the business. And the second thing he says is that, The business has to have some type of an advantage, some type of advantage that allows it to perform highly effectively in the marketplace. And that's how he makes sure that he buys the correct businesses. If you look at this and you think about it for a second, that business, take away what you're paying for it. Take away what the marketplace will will say a stock's worth because a stock is just a derivational part of the whole business. The stock market goes up and down and up and down and up and down all the time. That business is there solid every day. It's not going up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, the same thing is true in real estate on a slower basis. And so when you look at these businesses and you you think about how you're buying them, how you buy them, Mentally is a big point. Are you buying this business speculatively thinking, hey, I'm buying at a good price and I can turn around tomorrow and sell at a good price? Or are you buying it for the business itself? Now, there are a bunch of people out there that say you make money when you're buying. Allah, if you don't buy at the right price, you're never really going to make up the difference. A lot of people say you make money on the sale. And they're saying, it doesn't really matter what I pay for it. I can push the value of this business up and make money on the sale. Warren Buffett says both of those are wrong and says you make money during the time you hold it. In other words, does this business itself make any money? Now, if you're looking for value growth, he explains that value growth is simply the ability to produce more money. Now, when you look at an apartment complex, that really is the case. The more profit you can bring to the bottom line, the more valuable that real estate is based on a cap rate on top of that income. Now, where it gets confusing is that cap rates can compress. They can get smaller and make the property worth more, even though the property didn't do anything, or the business, and I want to interchange those, the business or the property didn't do anything to become worth more. On the other hand, cap rates can expand. And the property or the business can become worth less to the marketplace, even though it hasn't done anything any worse than what it was doing before the change. So what Warren Buffett's basic point is, and what I believe, is you buy the business. If the business is good and sound and makes money and has potential to grow the earnings power of the business then you have a good investment, right? So it's all about buying the right business. Now, how do you know that? Well, in our case, we have to look at the financial statements. We have to look at the location, and we have to look at the management. And so we start with location. You can never overcome a bad location. It just doesn't work. I've bought real estate in bad locations because it was inexpensive, and I could get into the business that way. But boy, it was painful. I mean, problematically painful. On the other side, I was able to buy it very expensively because the people selling it knew that it was problematic. And so when the push came to shove in that business, I made as much money in the businesses in the bad area as I did in the businesses in the good area simply because I had bought at a price that correctly evaluated the value of that business. Now... I went to better neighborhoods and had to pay a little more, had a little bit easier of time of operating the business, and made about the same amount of money. Then I moved up to the higher-end real estate, and I paid a lot more for the real estate, had a lot easier time of operating from when back at the beginning and the bad stuff, but on the bottom line, ended up making about the same amount of money because... The value of the businesses are cooked into the amount of income you can make with that business. If you really look to the income and not to the cap rate and and so on and so forth. So let's throw on top of that interest rates for a second. If you throw interest rates on top of that, right now interest rates are rising. And over the last couple of years, interest rates have been lowering. So as interest rates lower, think about this, you've got a business that makes you X amount of money, let's say it makes you $100,000 a year in profit, and all of a sudden you can buy that business with a much lower interest rate than what it is being held at now. That means that your debt service payments would go down, your mortgage payments, debt service payments would go down, and so the bottom line would actually become larger now, if the bottom line becomes larger, you make more money, you're excited, you're happy, right? So if you bought it and interest straight start to go down, then that's a good thing for you.
3: But what about the reverse?
0: Retiring America, one person at a time. This is the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Now, more unconventional wisdom from your host, Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm discussing businesses, how to evaluate them, how to pay the right price for them, how to always be successful in the purchases you make. And we've been talking about the fact that a business business is in and of itself a living, breathing organism that has certain levels of risk. One of the levels of risk is location in real estate. And as I discussed, every single location there is has a different risk to it. So you've got the risk of the low end and you've got the risk of the high end. So, well, what risks are the high end? Well, the risk of the high end is the high end doesn't stay high anymore. Literally, parts of the city that were hot at one point because they were in a growth mode slow down, and they're not the hot part. Something else grows out and keeps growing and grows right past them. So locationally-wise, that's really not going to change really whether or not you can make the business work. It's going to change how you have to operate the business to make it work. The next one is do you have an edge what is your fundamental edge uh in your business and in real estate the interesting thing about that is there really is very little edge other than great operations because it's sheetrock carpet and paint now if you talk to a class a person you say well our edge you know our opera you know Competitive edge is that we have really nice swimming pools, really nice amenities, doggy parks, you know, weight rooms, office areas that you can go in, uh, you know, little recreational areas you can go in and so forth. And all that stuff sounds really great, except that people really only live in the sheetrock carpet and rain of paint of their union. And when you show them those amenities, they seem like they're great to have. But they're not really used on a day to day basis. They are good for the tour, but they're really not that beneficial when it comes down to keeping tenants. Keeping tenants comes down to this. Can I come home at night and know I'm safe? Can I come home at night and know that my water works, that my air conditioning works, so that everything in my unit works, that the trash is picked up off the ground, that if something breaks, I can call and get it fixed immediately. That's in the apartment business, a good business. Now that takes us to the operations and that takes us to the people running the business. If you have great people running a business, then you have a good business. Now, our twist to this whole thing at Lifestyles is that we buy businesses that may or may not have a good operational set in there and then either stay with the set that's there because it's really good or come in and change the operational set of people. And be able to change the value of the business because the business is more valuable because the most important things that tenants are looking for is clean, functional, safe living. When I say safe, I don't mean safe as in there's guards and prison walls and all the kind of stuff to keep people out. No, no. There's no such thing as complete safety in the real estate business. What there is is you don't fall off a broken balcony. That's safety, right? Your lock works on your door. That's a form of safety. There are many other things that make an apartment complex safe or unsafe. The gate at the front doesn't work. That's not as safe as a gate that does work. Now, that's not to say that there couldn't be crime if the gate works, but it's better. And so people look at all the options that have been put in place to make the safety better than the competitor. And if all those things work, they're happy. But if they have been promised all those things and they don't work, then they're not happy. So you're in a situation, you see, where people are looking at the value of the product from, is it close to where I want to be? That's location. Does it have the amenities I specifically need? For instance, I need a place that allows dogs because I have a great dog I love and I a cat I love. I want to have them there. Does it have... The types of rooms I need a two-bedroom. I have a baby. I need extra room. Does it have two bedrooms or only one bedrooms, etc. 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 Does it have an office facility because I need to be able to go somewhere where I can fax stuff and send stuff out or print stuff and has a printer. I don't have a printer. You know that's a convenient amenity to me. Does it have a swimming pool? I like to relax. as, you know barbecue? Does it have a gym? I don't want to have to go somewhere to to work out and get up in the morning, go right to the gym and work out. All of those things are amenities that people are weighing into. Now, the interesting point about all that is the more you offer, the better location you offer, the more amenities you offer, the more you can charge for rent. And so the more you can charge for rent, it should equate down to a better uh, amount of profit, right? Does it? No. Not necessarily. Why not, Dell? Why shouldn't the most expensive, highest-rent properties make the most money? Because they're also the highest-taxed properties. They have more property taxes. The property tax assessment, especially here in Texas where taxes are high, goes up all the time. They may be in a hurricane area like Houston. They may be in a tornado area like Dallas. And their insurance is super, super high. They may be in an area where employment is tight and the cost of employees is high. And so when you look at all the organic factors going into the cost of operating that business, they're not the same. They're not generic across the board. And so every business has to be evaluated by what those costs of operation truly are to figure out what the true net operating income, which is the bottom line, net operating income is what we live off of before we pay it with paid debt service. That's how we have to evaluate the property. Now, so okay, now we know what the NOI is. And by the way, during times when prices are rising, the brokers and the mortgage companies lie to you about what the NOI is. They won't show you the real NOI. They want you to look at future or pro forma. Now, why would a broker want to do that? Because he wants to sell the property and get a commission. So he wants the seller to be happy. Why would a mortgage broker do that? Because they want to get a loan. They don't get paid unless they get a loan. They don't get a loan unless they can get you the most dollars possible to get a loan high enough to pay for this overpriced, quote-unquote, real estate. And so they push and push and push that direction. On the other hand, when the market's going down, the mortgage brokers eventually have to flip and go to the sellers and say, look... I want to make a sale. You need to lower your price because the buyers aren't doing it. It's a buyer's market now, and you've got to make the change. Same thing with the mortgage companies. The mortgage companies will finally say to the buyers, look, if you want a loan, you got to have to come in at the terms we believe are right. The seller's going to have to show us history. We're going to have to look at what this place really does because we can't just go by what you promise it might do in the future. These are the kinds of things that are all being thrown at you when you're out there trying to buy something as simple as a business. The business is, in itself, a closed entity. A business with all of its possibilities and opportunities and risks. And that's what you need to look at when you're buying a piece of real estate. The business. We'll take a short break and come back and talk about market conditions. (sighs)
3: our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. you're hearing the Del Wamsley Radio Show want more life changing knowledge access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab now your host Del Wamsley
2: welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show today we discuss um, how to analyze a business before you purchase it understanding that You're really buying a business. When you're buying a piece of real estate, you're buying a business, you know. And you buy a piece of real estate that doesn't have a business, like a piece of land. But all that is is speculation. You know, what is the business of the land? Well, I pay taxes each year. How much money does it bring in? Zero. So I lose money every year. There's your business. Well, I can graze a few head of cattle on it. Okay. So there's a little bit of income. And I pay taxes on it. Okay. Minus that. And there's little to no income. That's your business. I mean... All real estate purchases is made as if it's a business, okay? So you're making a business on your personal residence. Okay, I bought a house, $400,000. I get out of paying rent. That's income to my family. On the other hand, I now have to pay mortgage. I have to pay interest. I have to pay taxes. I have to pay insurance. I have to pay maintenance and repair. That's probably a negative cash flow business, if you ask me. On the other hand, you say, well, at least I'm paying something towards my my own ownership and my own equity. Okay. Well, there's another reason why you buy real estate is so you can accumulate and develop an equity position. All right. So all those things make sense. But what I want to talk about now is, is why is real estate not easily identifiable and easily evaluated for value? And the reason is because of these people that were born onto this earth called salespeople. Now I want you to think back to the beginning of mankind a guy sitting here has got a basket of fruit and another guy over here has uh, a basket of nuts another guy over here has some meat. And the one guy says I'll trade you some fruit for some nuts and the guy goes, okay, I, I could use a little bit of fruit. I'll give you a little, some of my nuts for the fruit. Another guy goes, I'll give you some of my meat for some of that fruit. and The guy goes okay, I'll take some of your meat for some of the fruit. And the other guy goes, I'll give you some of my nuts for some of that fruit. And then along comes a guy who's got nothing to sell has produced nothing on this earth whatsoever. And the guys go, well, well, who are you? And the guy goes, I'm a salesman. And they say, what do you have to offer us? He says, if you let me sell your fruit, I'll con the guy over here with the meat into giving you a better price. I'll sell your fruit for a much higher price. Then he goes to the meat guy and he goes, hey, if you will let me sell your meat, I'll get a higher price. Out of the fruit guy. And the fruit and the meat guy goes, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And then he goes to the nut guy and goes, if you'll let me sell your nuts, I'll get you a higher price out of the fruit and the meat guy. And the nut guy goes, yeah, that sounds like a pretty pretty good idea. What has he effectively done? He effectively has created a market where all the products are sold at a higher price simply to benefit the salesperson. That's What a market is. It's a gigantic con orchestrated by salespeople who have absolutely nothing to sell you of value. And they have to squeeze themselves into every transaction that occurs. they got to try to make a buck off of you. That's what selling is all about. Now, some good salespeople say no sale- selling is service. You help people find the things they want. You help them work things out. You solve problems. Yeah, there's a little bit of that on uh, involved with good salespeople. But the whole nature of sales is that somebody's getting paid by producing no product whatsoever. They're simply moving somebody else's product. Now, somebody who has no skill sets nor desire to try to move their own product, then... They're willing to pay a salesman. But it's gotten so bad that we've created organizations of salespeople where you can't even get in. In other words, you could sell your own real estate, but they make it pretty tough to do because they have all these groups of people and licenses and things and rules. Doesn't mean you can't sell your own real estate. Doesn't mean you can't go buy your own, but you're going to be buying from a broker most times. Very infrequently will you ever be buying your real estate directly from somebody who owns it. So having said that and me showing you my disdain for the sales world, um, I want you to understand what's going on out here. When the marketplace is such that interest rates are going down and more buyers are demanding to buy the product because interest rates make that product more profitable, low interest rates mean there's more profit there to be had, And the sellers see this also, and the brokers bring this to the seller's attention and say, hey, I can get you a higher price because the interest rates are so low, these guys are going to be able to pay you more and still make the same amount of profit they're used to looking at. And so they do that. They get the buyers to pay more. As the government wants more and more activity to go on, they lower the interest rates more and more and more. They bought more and more bonds and put more and more money into the marketplace, and they made money very, very cheap and easy to get to. When money was no longer a problem in the purchase, and it was easily obtained for almost no value, then you could call that inflation, or you could call it what it simply is. It's people paying more for something than what it's really worth, period. And yet they don't care because they're playing, they're paying the price with inflated value dollars, which makes the dollars worth less. So they don't care. They're paying more because they feel like they're paying more with useless money. It's funny money I'm giving you. I don't care how much I'm paying. It's funny money. I just want the business because the business is the underlying factor of all this. It's the business that makes the money, not the price you get in. So if you pay $1 million for a property five years ago, and that property sells for $5 million today because the interest rates are one quarter of what they were five years ago, the guy on the end of that purchase ends up with about the same cash flow as the guy who owned it five years ago. Who cares? Well, the big difference is he's paid five times more for the property. So what is the risk factor? Warren Buffett calls it the, the safety margin, you can afford to pay too much for a business, according to Warren, or a piece of real estate, according to Warren, if the safety margin is there. If you still have relative safety that up markets and down markets and side markets and or business, more importantly, business fluctuations won't take you down. Now, let's turn it around the other way. What happens when the interest rates start to go up? Well... The brokers are going to tell the buyers, it doesn't matter. And they're going to try to keep buyers paying too much, even though the interest rates are starting to go back up, because that's what's happening right now. And the sellers don't want to let go of this thing that they've had for four or five or six or ten years now, where for int- prices have gone up every year. They inspect, especially if they paid too much to build it themselves, or they paid too much to, to buy it themselves, their margins are profit are risked at the fact that the marketplace might turn around and the value actually go back down. So they don't want the market to go back down. And they're going to do everything they can do to try to keep it from doing that. Who is? Two people, the mortgage brokers and the real estate brokers, right? But eventually, one of them has to crack, and the people that crack first are the mortgage brokers because they have regulations. They're not going to be able to lend. The lending institutions are going to get tougher and tougher and tougher on loans. And the and you'll find the real estate brokers are out there selling pieces of real estate that when they go to try to get their loan, they can't close it. And so you'll start seeing two things, deals falling out and deals being retraded. That's what's starting to happen right now. I'm starting to see something very, very interesting. It starts by seeing... The fact that for every single month for the last two years on the kinds of real estate I was chasing, the cap rate was going down, 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 down. And over a two-year period of time, the cap rate compressed by two full points from six and a half to four and a half. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. That's probably past the margin of safety that I could afford to buy this business and still be comfortable with market fluctuations, making my purchase price a safe investment, a good investment. The business doesn't change. And in the particular business of real estate, the underlying businesses aren't changing that much. I mean, people still need a place to live. People still need food to eat out of grocery stores. So our basic business hasn't changed. But boy, is the demand Starting to change. We'll be right back with the rest of the story.
0: Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Where the hype ends and the help begins. Got a question? Call 855-497-4DELL. That's 855-497-4335. Or email Dell at askdell at l-u-i-n-c Welcome
2: back to Dell Walmsley Radio Show. Today, we're discussing here, um, first of all, how to evaluate a property correctly. Secondly, we're uh, discussing um, how the marketplace plays into the value of this thing. And really, summing up the point, if you're just tuning in right now, is the marketplace really is a liar. Warren Buffett calls the the marketplace, the the stock marketplace or the real estate marketplace, is a drunken uncle market. It just runs around. One day you think something's worth this. Another day you think something's worth that. But the reality is what it is. It's a sales-driven situation where everybody's trying to make money off of transactions. And the only way you make money off transactions is as a mortgage broker or as a real estate broker is to get somebody to buy and sell something. So you've got to make them feel like there's a need to move. So when prices are going up, man, they're pounding the sellers trying to get them to sell and take a profit. Take your profit off the table, they're saying to them. When the prices start to go down, then they pound the sellers and tell them, look, you got to get out. You got to get out now. Get rid of your dogs. It's time to move. And so what I'm seeing is the marketplace is starting to change. But let's take it back here. And what's happening? What's happening is the feds decided to raise interest rates because of inflation. We all know that. So as these interest rates start to change, everybody in their mind knows the Fed's going to keep raising the interest rates until they until they stop the over um, the the inflation. The um, I'm trying to think of a word to go with it. The the, the, the super fast raging inflation, right? Eight and a half percent should be two percent. They wanted to they want inflation, but only two percent, right? Everybody knows that, but nobody wants to admit that because the mortgage or the sales brokers, real estate sales brokers don't want to admit that because that means that the that the market will slow down. The mortgage brokers don't want that to happen because the if the market slows down, then the number of loans that they can write slows down. And so everybody wants to fight that, right? So the first thing that comes out a couple of weeks ago is the economists start laying in on this issue and saying, OK, look, we believe that. Yeah, the interest rates are going to put a hurt to this stuff, but the reality is there's too much money chasing too little product, and so the prices are not going to go down, period. Cap rates are not going to go back up again. Prices are not going to go down again. Uh, Just don't even get excited about that. So that's what the economists say, right? And so I present that to you, that that's what the economists say. There's no possibility for prices going back down, but I'm still looking. I'm paying attention. And I'm also saying that I'm not buying. And the reason I'm not buying is because if prices are going up, still going up, and interest rates are going up, then there's no cash flow. You're eating away the cash flow. Well, any logical, normal human being realizes that, and eventually, everybody stops buying. When everybody stops buying, there are people caught in the middle. Who are the people caught in the middle? First of all, it's going to be the people that are trying to sell something right now, And they're finding they're in the middle of a transaction. They've got an agreed-upon deal. They go back. The buyer goes back to try to complete his uh, loan, and he can't because the the interest rates have changed. The requirements for the loan have changed and become tougher. And so now those deals fall out. Now the seller has to either take back the property and give up on the deal or retrade the deal. And so you're seeing retrades starting to happen. I've personally seen retrades Already happened. I talked to my brokers the other day from my seven different mortgage companies. They say retrades are starting to happen. Now, other brokers out there don't want to admit this yet. And so a broker comes online and does a video and he says, look, I know what the what the reality is. As soon as there's anything that starts to happen where the interest rates go up, all of you buyers out there seem to get together like you're a cult. And you have some kind of an online powwow. And all of you start screaming that the prices have to come down, the prices have to come down, the prices have to come down. Well, you're all full of yourselves. It's not going to happen. Because there's still too much pent-up demand, not enough product. And so those prices are not going to come down. This is a real estate broker trying to convince people that the natural feelings they're having that the marketplace should be changing right now are wrong and that you need to just go ahead and pay too much and keep buying and keep paying too much. So that was the first thing I thought, or no, that was the next thing I saw. Then after I saw that, then I saw a deal where somebody sent to me a report from a mortgage broker. And the mortgage broker came back and said, well, real estate brokers are not going to want to admit this for another six months but the market has changed. We've already been required to tighten up the regulations for what we can give a loan for. Interest rates are going up. They're going to continue to go up. So the times have changed. Now, mortgage or now real estate brokers will not admit this. They won't admit it to you for six months. Six, eight months from now, they'll start to admit it, and you'll see the change. But we already are stuck with it. And so I saw that. And yeah. the next thing I started seeing was I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to experiment with this. So there's a deal that's out there for sale. And um, I offered five percent less than what they're asking. Now remember, every deal that I've done for the last five years, if they wanted five million, I offered five million, they'd sell for six million. If I offered, they wanted thirty million, I'd offer thirty million, they'd sell for thirty-one or thirty-two million. For it even to sell for what the asking price is, is in the last five years almost impossible to have happen. But now I'm offering prices that are below the list price and people are accepting them. They're accepting them so fast and fast one got accepted so fast the other day after seeing all this stuff from all these brokers, I had to start questioning, man, did I did I not ask did I not go low enough? You know, did I get in too quick? And then it happened. I was in a deal with a company, I won't use their name, I don't want to embarrass them, it's Marcus Milchap. And Marcus Ch- Milchap set out a, a seminar And in the seminar, in the very seminar they sent out, the people in the seminar said they will not pay the higher prices anymore, that they will not buy properties that are not inflation uh, protected, that everything about what they're doing is going to change right now, and they realize that prices are probably going to go back to 2018 prices. There it is, my friends. The very people trying to sell me this property put out a report that I paid too much. You can guess what I did the next day. Have a great day. Remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New
0: iPhone 15s? It's better over
1: here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.